Hello and welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Mark. And Stephen. And today we'll be talking about Blazor with our good friend, Daniel Hendricks. Hello. Hey, Daniel. I hope I didn't butcher your name there. Uh, no problem. It's fine. <laughs> I did. So, so can, can you give us the proper Swedish no. pronunciation of your surname? Uh, Daniel Hendricks. It's hard even for people in Sweden, so that's fine. Okay, we'll take that. And yeah, let's let's get into the show. So Daniel, uh, you're a developer and architect, and you have your passion for developing mobile apps powered by the cloud. Um, you've been developing iOS apps, Android apps, Xamarin. That's how I got to know you. Uh, you've been putting out a lot of Xamarin content. And lately, you've also been putting out a lot of Blazor content. And I, I, I just thought I had to nibble your ear or, or ask you the questions because, I mean, you got like this unique insight from my perspective, being a web developer with a mobile background. I just had to bring you on the show. So it's really nice that you can make the time to be here. So what's this Blazor stuff all about? Blazor started as a web framework. I will not say it. That I am a web developer nowadays, but I have so, done sorry, more. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to insult you there. <laughs> no, no, no problem. But I'm full stack I, developer. That's... Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> I, I don't know what a full stack developer nowadays. But uh, I think no one knows. Yeah, no, uh, but uh, I'm not a fully web development, and I'm mostly doing mobile and at least native client development also now. But uh, I have looked very much at Blazor, the latest one, or two years i started out that i was so long time ago i did uh, real uh, web development if you ask a few people but uh, javascript and and those stuff so i'm feeling okay i need a website but how can i do it and i i, I don't want to relearn javascript <laughs> i probably could but uh, i mean i'm very comfortable in c sharp dot net the dot net world uh, last time i did javascript for real was before the npm and uh, all the package management stuff so oh wow wow uh, so we, we did javascript yeah knockout yes ah, i yeah. think we used last <laughs> I time remember like, that one. i guess it was back in maybe 2014 was last time i did a real project with web development so uh, okay i know the basics but i i wanted to have something that i can use c sharp so i mean should i go with MVC or maybe web forms, but web form seems to be dead. Uh, and then people starting to talk about something called uh, Blazor and WebAssembly. Uh, so, okay, I, I need to investigate a bit in that and see how I can use that. And in many cases, it was pretty familiar because it's the Razor syntax, and I have done some, some MVC stuff back in the days before I start working full time with uh, mobile development using Xamarin. Okay, so I maybe can use that and reuse a lot of my C-sharp uh, uh, knowledge. So I built a few uh, websites. For example, uh, you may have seen the .NET Frontend Day website. I think you know about that conference, Mark, because you was a speaker last year. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And I actually, while I was uh, watching the... I, did, I didn't know when I visited the site that it was built with Blazor. So I think... That says something. I mean, if, if, if you got like these new technologies and you go like, well, you know, it's built in C Sharp and you think like, well, C Sharp on the web, will it be clunky or not? And, and I think it's like a true testament to the website or to your skills, 
maybe both, that you, I couldn't tell the difference. Uh, only when someone pointed out to me that it was actually written in Blazor, I thought like, mm, well, nice, nice. Yeah, it's really fast. I think loading, the initial load is really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's, it's not the WebAssembly part of Blazor because Blazor has uh, two and maybe three hosting models. At least we have a third one in preview right now <laughs> that you may have heard about, the .NET MAUI one or even VPF or WinForce, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but the two hosting models is WebAssembly, and that was what was shown to the world first. Uh, I think it was Steven Sanderson showing it on some years ago at NDC Oslo in public, where he had built that uh, stuff with WebAssembly. But the first thing that Microsoft did um, as uh, general availability was Blazor Server. I think it was somewhere around .NET Core 3.1 or something like that. It was a stable release of that. And the difference is WebAssembly is everything running in the browser. And on, on the server, Blazor server, it's running on the server. They send just a little bit of code or what you say to the client. Then you have a similar R connection between them. So when you press a button, it sends that to the server and it will render the content on the server. And that also makes it possible to pre-render content. For example, if you have static site elastic pages and uh, content that's not changing all the time, Blazor server can pre-render that. And that's the reason why the .NET front-end website is so fast. It's pre-rendered. And also because the initial load is so small compared to WebAssembly, where you need to load all assemblies into your browser. And that also includes the .NET runtime, or actually it is the mono runtime running in the browser that you maybe are familiar with with as a Xamarin developer. I've heard about it. I've heard you have heard about it, yeah. yeah. So what you're running on the servers, is it is .NET Core or just .NET from .NET 5. Uh, but I will not say I'm a Blazor expert in that area maybe, but I have done a few things with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, before we start the show, I asked Daniel if he plays guitars. I know you have the audio track only, but he's got like a bunch of guitars in the background. And um, yeah, I've, I've been told by Stephen that if a guitarist says, well, he's he's just doing stuff, it, it, you don't know. He might be an expert. He might be the next Jimi Hendrix. You just you just don't know. You know, it's, just, it's, no, uh, it's all possible. <laughs> Same goes for Xamarin and Maui and, and, and Blazor. <laughs> everything, Blazor. Yeah. Okay, so, so you touched on quite a few interesting topics there. So you said uh, Blazor has got now three execution models. I think we have to get circled back to the third one later on. Yeah. But So you got the server-side one. I think it's like how you probably would know how to write a website. So you, you write your UI uh, in the Razor syntax style. So mm -hmm. if you ever did any ASP.NET MVC or stuff like that, you, you'll be familiar with that. And the the I think the interesting thing is like there's always this live hook between the client and the backend with uh, Signal R, so WebSocket, so you got bidirectional communication going on there. And I, I guess that's also like a bit of the of the downside of that model because that usually means that the server always has an active connection to your client. So if if you have got massive traffic coming to your site, and and I know this is most websites don't have that. Uh, you, you probably will have to at some point scale up your server because you'll be running out of uh, signal R connections. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that's also the reason i using WebAssembly for some websites because I can just host it on uh, uh, blob storage, for example, or static website hosting in Azure. Ah, cool. And so so if you take the WebAssembly part, you actually 
have got zero compute on the back end. So you can just drop it on a file storage and then people can get it and then run it. I think that's been around, I think last time I checked it was in preview for Azure, but um, th that might have been in 2020, March something. I don't know. Time has <laughs> time has eluded me since then a bit. But uh, yeah, so, so you could just drop it on to a blob storage on Azure and then... yeah. Uh, so in Azure, you have both what they call Azure static web app or something. It was a very mm -hmm. hard tied couple to GitHub from the beginning. I don't know how it is nowadays. <laughs> but uh, when I have used uh, static websites in Azure, I have used it via the blob storage, the storage account, because you have that option on storage account also to host a static website with some extra features compared to just the, the storage you have there. So you can okay. uh, set up the website there. You can use that for your React site or whatever if you want also, but you can use that for, for a Blazor WebAssembly. So it will basically cost you nothing because storage in Azure and Amazon also is so cheap. So it will not cost you yeah. cost much. So that's great for uh, websites where you maybe don't have that load or you don't have a bud really budget. So if you have a, a small project, you don't know if people will like it or not, you can host it very cheap there. That sounds that sounds like an interesting opportunity to look at, and I think it's also like the serverless model that you can then do. Like you can host your front end on a blob storage, and then for the interactions, you can then use a little Azure function or lambdas on uh, yeah. Amazon, as they're called, to then do a little bit of compute. Yeah, and you can you can combine them also. You can ha do something with Azure functions, and you can maybe render a JSON file and put that to the storage uh, account. And you will have it be able to cache it in another way, and you will have a fast load of that JSON file in that way. Also, instead of returning JSON from Azure Function, you can put it on a, a static um, file storage, and you can have a CDN in front of it, for example. And you will have. And and what I've also once uh, dabbled with is when you get it like on blob storage, you can even make it secure. So you can even like have a an authentication before you access the blob storage. So in in some ways, if you really have a lot of non-computed information lying around that you just have to grab and access. Uh, this, I think this model can be quite cost efficient, as you as you said before, Daniel. Yep. Now, you, you have a background in, in Xamarin. Uh, I don't know if you have ever done any Windows desktop development, but you said it before also some, some ASP.NET MVC, so you knew the Razor style. So how was it for you to, to learn this syntax? I mean, what, what would you tell me, like a person that has maybe dabbled on and off a bit with Blazor, but never really has gone the full walk. Uh, how, how hard is it like to to get the mental mindset around going from uh, mobile apps to writing websites for famous online conferences? I mean, if you don't have done that much of web development, I guess the CSS part will be the hardest. <laughs> I heard about that. I, I'm very proficient Oof. in changing color codes in CSS. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah, of course, you're an expert. Mm. <laughs> if, if you if you had work, maybe you do. But if you work for a consult company, just if you know that what CSS is, you're an expert. Okay, okay. I'll be aware of that one. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm an expert at something. Yes. <laughs> at least it can be so when you talk to some people. That if you have done mobile development with SAML, you have another programming model with data bindings. I mean, Blazor is more like an MVU style of working how the update and rendering works. Uh, I was in conversation about that on Twitter for a couple of weeks ago where I mentioned Blazor and MVU in the same 
sentence and some people didn't like that and um, uh, some people agreed with me so okay okay so twitter opinions <laughs> twitter opinions there so maybe i will be killed after this episode also well i hope not i hope not yeah but i think i think that's interesting i mean i've heard a lot that uh blazer um is is maybe it, it got some mvvm-esque feel sometimes but the binding syntax seems to be more more powerful than what you're used to when you look at WPF or, or Xamarin forms for that. And I think a lot of people take it to liking. And, and this MVU thing, it seems to be coming up more and more. Uh, we had Brandon on here a couple of weeks ago, and he talked uh, to us about Comet, which will bring like the MVU style for C-sharp developers to Maui. Uh, so yeah, this is this is an interesting model, and and I think we might one day, Stephen, have to make a, a show about MVU, so we can become experts. Oh. I mean, m- many people talk about MVU like it's it's the same as write your UI with code, for example, as you do in Comet, and uh, but it's not it's not about that. I think it's a, it's the style how it's rendering and how you're handling updates and that, not how you in what syntax you are writing your code. That can be whatever. So, but if you should compare the way you write with Blazor and with MVVM, for example, I guess it's many mobile developer listening on this podcast. When you have your data, you have no data bindings in that way as you have in with MVVM, but you you are still binding to the page, for example. But you do it in another way, and you don't have to use converters, for example. When you have, you can just add an if statement inside <laughs> of your. Uh, your code because you you, you you can say you're mixing HTML and C sharp code. Um, I mean, if you compare it, if you have done React, you are basically doing that with JSX. Also, you have HTML inside of your JavaScript in some strange way. Uh, <laughs> I would say this is cleaner but I, because I'm not a fan of React, but maybe because I don't know it that well. But I like the way that I can be more flex- flexible with uh, Blazor compared to SAML. Uh, because SAML can be very verbose sometimes. And it, I understand people that say it's hard to learn SAML and data bindings because it, it's not that easy. I mean, how many properties have you created in your view model just to make something visible or not visible? <laughs> well, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, go with that statement uh, on, on record. Sorry about that. But, yeah. <laughs> so you, you can do that, create extra properties in your view model or you can use a converter. But every uh, everyone that have had a lot of converters, especially in list views back in the times when uh, they was not cached in Xamarin forms, uh, it will be very slow with converters. So, but with the Blazor, you don't have to have a converter because you can just add an if statement. If the data is this, use this instead, and yeah. it will render from top to bottom. That sounds that sounds uh, actually quite cool. And uh, yeah, so I've uh, I've been dabbling with various kinds of how you can apply like visual rendering. So lately, I've actually even tried to use C Sharp to write my Xamarin form app that I'm, I'm doing uh, in a private thing. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's always like, it, it always feels like a bit clunky when you have to use these converters for me. And and I also remember and this, I think this shows my age. Back in the day when I was learning Windows 8, there was like some Microsoft conference, uh, pre-build, I think, or build, and they just said, well, don't use converters for your bindings because it's a performance hit because they will execute this converter every time something happens. Whereas if you just do it once in your view model, it's, it will be there forever. And also you could, you could theoretically 
like calculate the properties on your view model in, in a background thread and blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. I got like all these excuses why I very rarely use converters in my mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to avoid them too. I maybe heard that from the same conference or something because I was also <laughs> yeah, maybe, into maybe, Windows yeah, yeah. 8 or, or especially Windows Phone 7 and 8 development back in that when that was a little bit popular at least <laughs> for us <laughs> for us developers it was pop, pop, uh, most popular but not for the users i guess yeah yeah it, se- it seems so it seems so 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 talking about mobile in general um so i've i've been dabbling with these things or i've been reading up on these things so apparently you can now use a blazer website in .NET maui so .NET maui is the predecessor of xamarin xamarin forms or like the the evolution, I should better say. It's yeah. not uh, it's not going anywhere. It's it's just getting better. And there's now not only the classical web view where you could just render a website or some HTML, but you can actually now get a a Blazor view. So so what's what's the coolness behind that, Daniel? The coolest part is that you can have web content in your apps without uh, having to have a server, or you don't. Because it's not Blazor server, it's not Blazor WebAssembly. It's Blazor hosted inside of your app, uh, and that means that you have full access to the native APIs because it's r- running in the same process as the rest of the app. Okay, it's- okay, but so I'm I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm a bit I'm a bit confused here. So you said it's it's not WebAssembly. It's nope. not. There's no server involved, so it's it's all on my phone once I deployed it. So there's no yes thingy going on in the background. But is it then like the server rendering model running on my phone, or is it what is it like some special magic? Duty? I don't know exactly how it works. Magic. But I, okay. I I'll go with magic. magic. But I would say it is basically Blazor server running on your phone. Okay. You have. The, I don't. I guess it, they don't use Signal R for communication because there are some better ways to communicate in memory because they don't need to have that communication over the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the only thing that are web is the HTML and the CSS. Everything else is n- running native in your app, mm-hmm. and that makes it pretty powerful, I would say, uh, because you can share code on a, a complete new level. Uh, of course, it's not for all mobile apps and not for all websites, but let's say that you will build something like a hotel booking app. You want it to look exactly the same in the app and you want to have and you need to have a website because if you book a hotel once, you will not download the app. But, peop- but people that you often booking hotel, when we not are in a pandemic, of course, uh, they want to have the app so you can see their bookings and everything and have that everything inside of the app. So then you can take your uh, web content because Blazor is also a component-based. So you have a component-based uh, model. So you can u- take the whole website and put it inside of your Blazor web view. It's a separate control. It's not the, the regular web view. It's, it is called Blazor web view. And you can render that inside of there. Or you can take just a component and replace uh, some part of a page with this Blazor web view and reuse it like that. And if you have a good architecture in your website and your app, you can have building it with interfaces and use dependency injections so you can inject uh, native access into your web components also without uh, breaking the cross-platform or cross-platform, what would you say? Cross-platform also including web in this case. So I think it's, that is a nice way. So if 
that you can build your apps. So you say like, um, even if you are the best Blazor developer ever, um, it might still make sense to write platform specific code uh, to get the to, to get your mobile app up and running. But if you have, there are some use cases where it just might make more sense to to write your uh, app using some some Blazor style, or even like wrapping the entire app that you're writing actually uh, and doing it in Blazor. So do yeah. you, do you get this? Also, this platform-specific look and feel, or do you usually just go with the with the website, or is that just again all CSS styling, um, yeah. which which might be a notch above my color coding styles of yeah. CSS? <laughs> yeah, so it, it will be the web look and feel for the web part, of course. It's mm. not any abstraction layer on top of the native UIs as Maui or some forms is. Mm-hmm. It is web a web UI running, uh, but everything else is is native. Uh, okay. um, but so even but even if ever you want to use everything from the website, you maybe want to save data, for example, in another way on the mobile. You want to save it secure in the keychain, for example. You can can do that. Uh, just maybe setting up the dependency injection container different. Uh, so I think that is pretty nice. Because it's web, the the whole factor of making it look the same that's just out of the box, right? Um, because yeah. yeah, coming from the mobile world, that's always been one of those challenges why does this not just look the same everywhere that's yeah so but i also think this is a much better way of by building a hybrid app or if we should call it that than compared to the old model with the <laughs> old web view where you don't have any control of what will, will happen basically i remember yeah, those frameworks yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i never fun. liked hybrid apps uh, before this but no. I, I can see that this can be be useful. Uh, another use case is maybe for, let's say, you have an old WinForms application that you want to modernize, uh, but it's huge and you don't want to just replace it in a one big bang with a website. Then you can start developing the website using Blazor, and then you can take some parts and replace it step by step. In the end, you have probably replaced the whole app with the Blazor content. Then you can choose if you want to, okay, I will only have the, have the website or I will also have the desktop app left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is a good way also that you can use it to modernize your old applications step by step by but, injecting Blazor content into it. That's an interesting model. Another use it can be if you have some specific graphs. For example, you want to have bought some graph components that are not available for .NET MAUI or WinForms. Then you can use Blazor WebView just for that because there was a Blazor component that you use on your website. Then you also can use it in your apps. Pretty easy. Okay, so so you said um, the the Blazor website is hosted within your your app. So if I now have a if I still have a server, like if I'm writing the classical business punch in data thingy, did you then write like a, uh, a progressive web app within your within your hybrid app? As a, so, uh, do you start at some point? Does it will you just write an entirely new web application compared to your web hosted one? Or, or do you see there like some some ways how you can do that uh, in an easier fashion? Yeah, I mean, Blazor, as I said, is component-based. So if you're breaking out it in smaller components, you can select what components you want to use in your app. Mm-hmm. So you maybe don't want to have the whole uh, layout, for example, yep. from the website in your application, native application, then you can just, okay, I want to use the data uh, component that is visualizing all 
data, that one you can use, but you won't skip the menu component and the layout component and the navigation router because if you want to navigate inside of Blazor, you will use the router, r- yep. router component. So you maybe don't want to have that inside of wrap. But you can have that too if you want to navigate inside of the Blazor web view. Then you need to have a router. But you don't have to have it. You can have just a single component. Okay, so so basically you have a lot of, of options available and it also offers you a great way to reuse your website, as you said before. And I think this component model is also something that really shows the strength of building like on, on Razor pages, like a model that has already been there that also uh, brought forward this component model. So you could yeah. reuse parts of your web code in, in different areas of, of your enterprise if you if you needed to do so. And bringing that to the mobile phone, I think there's always like some, some trickery that you sometimes have to keep in mind. I mean, if you're writing a web application, you will have uh, different uh, focus points than when you write a mobile application. But I think like using understanding the component model can can really help to to like bring forward some some yeah as you said like some graphical parts or you got like some very specific chartings that you did for your website and now you want yeah. to bring them into your mobile app instead of redoing the entire work uh, using some other platform specific code you can now just bring in the web view. And and I think another great thing is uh, I think you said it before is like being able to like communicate between the C sharp that's in your Xamarin slash Maui app and the C sharp that's in your uh, Blazor app uh, without having to do some strange things as you had to do it with JavaScript. Uh, that's I think that's a really uh, great uh, boost that you also get there. And I'm looking forward for the apps or that will be using this uh, model as we go forward. Yeah. Now you have you have said it before. Blazor is is for developers, so one has to develop this stuff. And there's been a lot of cool stuff going on in the development world. Uh, I've been following along with the .NET MAUI stuff. Uh, so we have all the hot reloads and uh, some really cool debugging stuff going on and also being able to plug in an iPhone to your Windows laptop and then just uh, hitting F5 without needing a Mac for doing some of the compilation and still having all the breakpoints and stuff like that. So, so that's really cool. What can you tell us about when you hop over to the dark side, the website of developments? Is it, is it still all fun and cherry uh, or is it a bit, is it different? What, what's your take on that one? Yeah, it's definitely different uh, and it's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving you on. You heard it here, you heard it here. Mobile development, way more fun than web development. Yeah, but, but, yeah, well, but it's funnier now when I can use Blazor compared when I have to use JavaScript when I last time worked with the web development. That I can imagine. Maybe because I'm ter- not that good in JavaScript anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's nice to use all those C-sharp 10 goodies and everything you know and use every day. Yeah. Uh, or web also. So I, I can understand that one. I've been doing a wee bit of JavaScript slash TypeScript uh, at my day job. Uh, I'm not really good at it. And... Uh, it's, but what I really like about it is like this uh, this hot reload experience that you have in in the with with the most of the JavaScript frameworks because they're just interpret it. So whenever I do a little change in my TypeScript file, it will also automatically then be uh, converted over. Do, do you have the same experience when writing Blazor applications? Oh, good question. Uh, I'm mostly running it on Mac, so <laughs> we don't have hot reloading. We just do it from Mac yet. Yes. Yeah. Yet, uh, but uh, well, I think you can use .NET Watch from the from the command line at yeah. least. But you will not have the debugger on that. Okay. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to Visual Studio for Mac 2022 when that will come out. Hopefully it will come out together with the .NET MAUI in Q2, but I don't know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I'm also waiting for updates, but... Well, I think I think they uh, going off here on a tangent, but I just think you know if you look at Visual Studio for Mac 2022, they have changed a lot of the the, the pieces from the from the Visual Studio. It seems so they've like made it native. So before, I think it was a GTK based, and and yeah, I mean these things they take a lot of time, and, and unfortunately, there's also a lot of other cool stuff happening around the .NET world, and and um, yeah, I've, I'm I'm in a developer team. I know at some point you. You just don't have any more developers to go around to develop all the new cool features. It's pretty cool that they run now in the latest preview running Visual Studio for Mac on .NET 6. .NET, and it's also it's natively supported on uh, Mac M1. Ooh. So it's very, very fast now compared to 2019. If, if you have uh, ARM-based Mac M1. Yeah, if you have an M1. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Not, not yet, not, not yet. yet. I'm still, but so developing Blazor on an M1, no problem. No problem at all. Have never been a problem either. So, and I guess like um, yeah, you also get like all the cool DevOps support tools, uh, and you can just you can just uh, you can just be happy all along. I mean, that's that's one thing I I usually envy about the web developers. It's always it always seems deploying stuff is just so much easier than when you compare it to to a mobile application. Like there, there's there's so much less uh, sludge to move out of the way until stuff starts to work. Yeah, you don't need those deployment certificates and uh, <laughs> provisioning yep. profiles and... And and all the tool chains are lined up and the stars and the planets and none of that. It's just <laughs> deploy, yeah. run, have fun. If you would have to compare, like you, you, you mentioned it before, you dabbled with other web frameworks. And I know you're not an expert on it, but um, just like if you if you have to, if, if you're like me, like you know a bit of C Sharp, you might even know a wee bit of JavaScript. So so how does Blazor compare to these Angular, React, or Vue.js's, or Svelte, or, yeah, JavaScript framework that just came out while we were recording this? I would say if you're a C-sharp developer, go for Blazor. And if you're a JavaScript developer, you maybe don't want to learn C-sharp, and I, then you can do the good stuff with JavaScript. So I, it's hard to compare them. I mean, all of the frameworks perform pretty good uh, react will not perform good if i write the code <laughs> <laughs> but i guess blazor will not perform that good if a javascript developer write it either so so it, it's like with everything go for the framework that you know if you don't want to learn something new of course but if you will start with something and you have to do something good go for what you know uh, it's like with mobile development if you know swift you maybe not should use summer in ios so even if I love Xamarin and .NET. So I'm I'm still uh, I'm I'm not that into the Blazor and all that stuff. I have been dabbling less and less in Xamarin as well. But when when I was still doing that most of the time, I had quite a few issues with the whole DevOps chain that I was running. Like somewhere, some update of iOS or or some mono update or something killed something somewhere along the way. Um, and I couldn't run my DevOps pipelines anymore and that kind of stuff. Is is DevOps and Blazor, is that also still like this really finicky thing that might work, as we mm. said, when the stars align? And No, uh, I will have never had any problem with that. I mean, if you have a bill agent with the, the latest version of .NET, uh, it will not be a problem at all. 
Nice. So you can build it on a Linux agent, a Mac agent, or a Windows agent. It will not be a problem. Okay. That sounds... I, I envy that. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just like... Um, I mean, just keeping a build agent for mobile applications like up and running the entire time, it, it sometimes feels like a chore. Or like it always falls over in the wrong moment. Like, yeah, sure, I can just fix this little update within five minutes. No, you can't. No, you can't. You first have to find out why your build tool chain broke. And this sounds like it sounds like maybe a bit more fun than uh, when when you use Blazor on the back end. Yeah. So um, I, I'm I'm still I'm still wondering. Um, so when I so Blazor is C sharp. You you got me there. So yeah. if I now press F five in Visual Studio and so, so can I just like set a breakpoint at some point and I like click around on the website and it will then automatically. Uh, translate these web calls to break at the right point, and then I can have my classical debugging experience. Or yes, yes you can. Hmm. Just it's just just like yes. I, yeah. I don't even want to go into the yeah. details. It's yeah. just yes. You'll just love it, Mark. Trust me. Try yeah. it. You'll like it. In the beginning, it was some problem. I remember with the Blazor WebAssembly, mm-hmm. but with Blazor Server, it always worked. Okay, good because it's running on server, and it's actually like running any other. .NET application. But to confuse it a bit more with Blazor, uh, have you heard about the Blazor mobile bindings project? <laughs> I, I have, but please have. tell me more. Yeah, it, it's an experimental project uh, created by some people at Microsoft where they have took the Blazor way of writing uh, UIs and mapped it to Xamarin Forms. And there also is a pull request now where someone have migrated to Maui, but uh, it's not in there yet. So instead of re- writing HTML, you're writing, um, or you may be writing HTML, but you don't using HTML elements. You're using like stack layout, grid. What you're writing is as Blazor. Okay. Uh, with a Razor syntax. So, so if you know how the so, so it's like a bit who moved my cheese, I guess, because it will be it will be the Razor syntax, but just all the elements will be named differently. No. Yeah, it's a Razor syntax with the Xamarin Forms components or elements. Okay. Yeah, that's that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. I mean, um, I don't know if it would be something for me because I've already went through the pain to learn XAML and stuff like that. But <laughs> uh, I can see how this could be interesting to people that uh, have learned Blazor, uh, are total Blazor cracks, and then they go and they look at something like .NET Maui and go like, XAML. Who in the world came up with XAML? Please give me back my Razor pages and my CSS, and just let me do my thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think why not? I mean, I can I can see how people can be more productive in that. And I guess it's as with many preview projects. I mean, if you if you really like it, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to put a link into the show notes. But um, yeah, I mean, check it out and and put your vote behind it because I think the more people get behind it, the bigger are the chances that it will actually happen. I mean, you don't have to use converters. Yeah. I mean that's that's, a, that's it's, it's like the, it's like the best of the two worlds. It's like the best thing you have a coded UI and the best you have with SAML because it's like SAML that you mix with C sharp code. Definitely something to look into. I mean, I, I will say I, I love the idea and I hope they make a real project of it because it, uh, it will be great and it's not that for verbose as uh, MVVM and SAML can be. And the only downside is that I think I have to use CSS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, Sarin Forms supports CSS, so 
Yeah. I mean, you could so. you could ease your way into it. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't maybe that would be like the double double pain front for you, like using XAML and CSS, because you then still got the converters and CSS going there for you. But yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. I, I get you there. And and I mean, to to be said, I mean, Blaze has started out as a non-official Microsoft project, and it was just like so many people got excited about it that it then actually became now an officially supported product from from Microsoft and and I mean the same goes for these mobile bindings I guess or yeah. for projects like Comet I mean you if if people think this is cool um uh yeah the voices usually will be heard send a tweet to David Orton now and tell him that we want this now <laughs> <laughs> now now and that wraps our up our episode on Blazer with Daniel Hendricks Daniel where can our listeners find you on the interwebs and where where are you off to next uh, the next thing I will do is the .NET front-end conference. Uh, it's 10th of February. But if you want to reach out to me, I guess the easiest way is to find me on Twitter. Okay. And we'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes. And dear listener, be noted, this episode is coming out on February the 9th. And the .NET front-end day will be hosted on the 10th of February, live streams on YouTube and Twitch. And I'm pretty certain there might even be some recordings later on on YouTube. So even yeah. if you missed it because you're listening to this episode on the weekends yeah there's some good uh blazer content awaiting you there for sure and your session from last year is also on youtube so they can go watch that yeah on some mvu with f sharp yeah and that's been it we've been your hosts mark Alibone and stephen davis and let us know what are your experience developing with blazer on twitter and all pointers io our dms are open Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next time on Art Pointers. Mm-hmm.